Chapter One, Section Fifteen of the Greek View of Life by Goldsworthy Lowes Dickinson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Chapter One, Section Fifteen, Metaphysical Criticism while thus on the one hand the greek religion by its inner evolution was tending to destroy itself on the other hand it was threatened from without by the attack of what we should call the scientific spirit a system so frankly anthropomorphic was bound to be weak on the speculative side its appeal as we have seen was rather to the imagination than to the intellect by the presentation of a series of beautiful images whose contemplation might offer to the mind if not satisfaction at least acquiescence and repose a greek who was not too inquisitive was thus enabled to move through the calendar of splendid festivals and fasts charmed by the beauty of the ritual inspired by the chorus and the dance and drawing from the familiar legends the moral and aesthetic significance with which he had been accustomed from his boyhood to connect them but without ever raising the question is all this true does it really account for the existence and nature of the world once however the spell was broken once the intellect was aroused the inadequacy of the popular faith on the speculative side became apparent and the mind turned aside altogether from religion to work out its problems on its own lines we find accordingly from early times physical philosophers in greece free from all theological preconceptions raising from the very beginning the question of the origin of the world and offering solutions various indeed but all alike in this that they frankly accept a materialistic basis one derives all things from water another from air another from fire one insists upon unity another on a plurality of elements but all alike reject the supernatural and proceed on the lines of physical causation the opposition to use the modern phrase between science and religion was thus developed early in ancient greece and by the fifth century it is clear that it had become acute the philosopher anaxagoras was driven from athens as an atheist the same charge absurdly enough was one of the counts in the indictment of socrates and the physical speculations of the time are a favourite butt of that champion of orthodoxy aristophanes 
to follow up these speculations in detail would be to wander too far from our present purpose but it may be worth while to quote a passage from the great comedian to illustrate not indeed the value of the theories ridiculed but their generally materialistic character and their antagonism to the popular faith the passage selected is part of a dialogue between socrates and strepsiades one of his pupils and it is introduced by an address from the chorus of clouds the new divinities of the physicist chorus of clouds our welcome to thee old man who would see the marvels that science can show and thou the high priest of this subtlety feast say what would you have us bestow since there is not a sage for whom we'd engage our wonders more freely to do except it may be for prodicus he for his knowledge may claim them but you because as you go you glance to and fro and in dignified arrogance float and think shoes a disgrace and put on a grave face your acquaintance with us to denote strepsiades oh earth what a sound how august and profound it fills me with wonder and awe socrates these these then alone for true deities own the rest are all godships of straw let zeus be left out he's a god beyond doubt come that you can scarcely deny zeus indeed there's no zeus don't you be so obtuse no zeus up above in the sky then you first must explain who it is sends the rain or i really must think you are wrong well then be it known these send it alone i can prove it by argument strong was there ever a shower seen to fall in an hour when the sky was all cloudless and blue yet on a fine day when the clouds are away he might send one according to you well it must be confessed that chimes in with the rest your words i am forced to believe yet before i had dreamed that the rain-water streamed from zeus and his chamber-pot sieve but whence then my friend does the thunder descend that does make us quake with affright why tis they i declare as they roll through the air what the clouds did i hear you aright i for when to the brim 
filled with water they swim by necessity carried along they are hung up on high in the vault of the sky and so by necessity strong in the midst of their course they clash with great force and thunder away without end but is it not he who compels this to be does not zeus this necessity send oh no zeus have we there but a vortex of air what vortex that's something i own i knew not before that zeus was no more but vortex was placed on his throne but i have not yet heard to what cause you referred the thunder's majestical roar yes tis they when on high full of water they fly and then as i told you before by compression impelled as they clash are compelled a terrible clatter to make come how can that be i really don't see oh yourself as my proof i will take have you never then ate the broth puddings you get when the panathenaia come round and felt with what might your bowels all night in turbulent tumult resound by apollo tis true there's a mighty to do and my belly keeps rumbling about and the puddings begin to clatter within and to kick up a wonderful rout quite gently at first but soon pa-pa-pa-pa-pax away till at last i'll be bound i can thunder as loud pa-pa-pa-pa-pa-pax as they shalt thou then a sound so loud and profound from thy belly diminutive send and shall not the high and the infinite sky go thundering on without end for both you will find on an impulse of wind and similar causes depend well but tell me from whom comes the bolt through the gloom with its awful and terrible flashes and wherever it turns some it singes and burns and some it reduces to ashes for this tis quite plain let who will send the rain that zeus against perjurers dashes and how you old fool of a dark ages school and an antediluvian wit if the perjured they strike and not all men alike have they never cleonymus hit then of simon again and theorus explain known perjurers yet they escape but he smites his own shrine with these arrows divine and sunium attica's cape 
and the ancient gnarled oaks now what prompted those strokes they never forswore i should say can't say that they do your words appear true whence comes the thunderbolt pray when a wind that is dry being lifted on high is suddenly pent into these it swells up their skin like a bladder within by necessity's changeless decrees till compressed very tight it bursts them outright and away with an impulse so strong that at last by the force and the swing of the course it takes fire as it whizzes along ah that's exactly the thing that i suffered one spring at the great feast of zeus i admit i'd a paunch in the pot but i wholly forgot about making the safety valve slit so it spluttered and swelled while the saucepan i held till at last with a vengeance it flew took me quite by surprise dung bespattered my eyes and scalded my face black and blue nothing could be more amusing than this passage as a burlesque of the physical theories of the time and nothing could better illustrate the quarrel between science and religion as it presents itself on the surface to the plain man but there is more in the quarrel than appears at first sight the real sting of the comedy from which we have quoted lies in the assumption adopted throughout the play that the atheist is also necessarily antisocial and immoral the physicist in the person of socrates is identified with the sophist on the one hand he is represented as teaching the theory of material causation on the other the art of lying and deceit the object of strepsiades in attending the school is to learn how not to pay his debts the achievement of his son is to learn how to dishonour his father the cult of reason is identified by the poet with the cult of self-interest the man who does not believe in the gods cannot he implies believe in the family or the state end of chapter one section fifteen recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey